Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTGA podcast. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you all. Me and Roy, you are in green. Um, our guests today, not so patriotic, Colin Keyes and <laughs> Kieran Whelan. How is everybody doing? Top of the morning to you. Good, Mikey. Hi, Mikey. Good. Um, I know you're very patriotic. As you're so patriotic, you don't have to wear green to show it. And that was the only <laughs> Josh with you. Um, right, we'll have Derek McGraw on later to look ahead to the... Um, as Colin Keyes would describe them, meaning meaningless hurling league matches finale this weekend. We, we can discuss that in a bit. But the Football League does still mean a lot, uh, or at least there's a lot hinging on this weekend. So we're going to have a good look at Division 2 and Division 3 in a little while. But um, the the news is abounding this week, which is which is nice for the likes of Colin and myself. It's it's nice when there's there's headlines uh, floating around. Um, we might start with the uh, the, the GPA row that, that keeps on going. Um Yesterday, the um, GPA released another statement, which was basically a very long, very, very long explanation for their stance from Matthew O'Hanlon. And um, it was a bit dense column, a lot of it, uh, training loads, etc, etc. But at the end of it, at least, the GA upper echelons might have felt how a lot of uh, hurling centre forwards feel on occasion. They felt the full force of Matthew O'Hanlon towards the end of it, where uh, he kind of... He, kind of accused the GA of kind of using player welfare as a sop, as, as a cover for penny pinching or for cost saving, which um, Tom Parsons did the same thing, but perhaps in a more polite manner. Matthew O'Hanlon, by the end of that very long statement, kind of got to the meat of it, didn't he? <clears throat> he did really, and I thought it was a, an impressive intervention. He's, a, he's a, a very polished communicator, as you probably know, being a fellow county man, but he is... Uh, he certainly led on the uh, <clears throat> integration front a few weeks ago too. So he made some very valid points. There's there's no question about that. That there's a there's a lot of nuance, I suppose, around intercounty training. That in some in some parts of the season, there probably will be requirement for more gatherings than there would be, for instance, in in the week of a game. But I do think it will all return pretty much to the same point in that in that the, num- the, the number of sessions will probably end up being balanced out over, over a particular year. And that's, that's, where this is, that's where this is heading to. But with regard to penny pinching, I think there's probably an element in that. Uh, I know we covered the 13.5 million figure for the national uh, surplus, but that included all the counties who benefited hugely from state interventions and employment uh, subsidy schemes and things like that. The, Probably the real figure to concentrate here on is the 1.9 million, which is the central surplus uh, and combined with uh, last year's loss of 25, 27.1 over two years. That's a loss centrally for the GA, not including the counties of the provinces centrally for the GA. That's 25.2 million loss. And I suppose it's at central level that the GA are trying to bring a little bit of control in around this from their own finances in one regard. So yes, there probably is a bit of penny pinching because there has to be in the foreseeable future. And they've uh, increased the, the coaching 20, budget as well, haven't they? They have a 25.2 million uh, hole from two years of COVID at central level. I'll stress that again, at central mm. level as opposed to national level. But they also 
probably there is an element of trying to bring some control around the frequency of sessions. And Tom Ryan said it in his note that they can't continue to support poor, uh, poor practice, um, poor player welfare practice. Now, I would think the vast majority of inter-county management would be very much in line with good practice. I'm not so sure that many teams are training over four times a week, stand to be corrected, maybe maybe up to a fifth with two extra gym sessions that they would travel to, two pitch sessions game at the weekend. That's that's about it. But I would think it's very, very much in the interests of managers to be as aligned with good player welfare practices uh, <clears throat> as they ever were. And I think they're probably more in tune with it than they ever were. So I don't think there's an awful lot in this. I think uh, there's points of principle, as Matthew O'Hanlon uh, rightly pointed out, I suppose. Why should the players, if they're asked, it's not up to them to legislate for how often they go out. It's down to managers. And if the GA want to make a hard and fast rule out of this, it will be difficult because restricting certain teams to four times a week at a particular time of year uh, is a lot more difficult, uh, obviously, because there's different cycles for different teams. So overall, I think we'll see an annual uh, an annual subvention for training. I do think down the line, I think we will see some sort of uh, equalization where I, I suppose the, those teams that uh, generate less commercially will gain more. And consequently, those teams that maybe go further in a championship the previous year will actually get less, something along the lines of a draft. I do think that that is where this should probably go to support the less successful teams both mm. on and off the field so that they can improve improve their product yeah we know comes, comes right that there, there isn't much in this it's grabbing some headlines but it's i i get the impression it's not really capturing the public's imagination because a a lot of people while they love cheering on their ga team and they want them to be as good as possible also probably think that they're very well looked after and b players withdrawing from media duties after league matches like if we in the media don't particularly mind about that, I can guarantee you the public don't mind about it. So if the GPA really want to make a stand here, they're going the to have to... The GA don't care. Yeah. The GA don't really care either. You know? They're, they're going to have to go a bit beyond yeah. withdrawing media duties. Um, but as Colm says, they should be able to resolve this without you know a strike or something really drastic. Yeah, I think they should be able to because it doesn't look to be much in the difference by what the GA have proposed. But I think I think that statement last night probably came off the back of maybe criticism of the GPA probably over the last seven days that, you know, the priority is player welfare and looking after player welfare. And I think people were pointing at them in terms of that it was beginning to a contradiction greed and stuff like that so i think that it was a very it was a it was a pr um not, not a pr stunt but i think it was it was a very very good statement that it brought it back to contact hours and training and player welfare uh, and i think maybe the the cart was put before the horse in that it, it is about the, the key thing is about player welfare and 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 i would agree with tom parsons last weekend the players shouldn't be out of pocket so you have to try to find that balance as to what's appropriate for inter-county players uh, in terms of their contact hours and how often they're training like we don't know really what managers what demands managers are really but we're all we're always surmising that it's four or five times a week like if you go back and i'm going back to the year after i left when when dublin won the all ireland in 2011 Dublin trained in the morning and they trained in the evening. They trained twice a day some days. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So they were being pulled out at six o'clock in the morning. They were back in the evening and they were probably training six, seven, eight times a week. Um, and I think that's probably where 
you know, there's, I think there's a report being done, I think, uh, for GA around contact hours and around the different demands on players at different times of the year in terms of the number of sessions that are required and stuff like that. So for me, I think the cart came before the horse in that the GPA probably should have come out and said, listen, you know, we're looking at the number of contact hours. Uh, this is usually important. And when we agree some sort of charter around that uh, with the GA and with the county boards uh, that we want to make sure we're adequately looked after. Um, and, and I think that's what's going to come out in the wash when, when, when we get to that particular point, you know. So um, it's it, like it is a balancing act. They're not, tar- as, as Colm says, when you balance it over the year, four sessions a year at 65 cent a mile doesn't seem unreasonable. Um, uh, but I, I but I would come back that we don't know the demands that managers are putting on players, particularly in the early part of the year. Um, and I think I think managers have a role to play in this in the next step that they have to really right really buy into a charter around the contact hours and the, and the demands they're putting on on intercounty players because you're not going to get young lads that are going to turn around and say. I'm not going training or, you know, like that players won't speak up and the manager is king in most counties. And I think they have a huge duty to be involved in this as well and in, in, in resolving the issue because number one, players don't want to be out of pocket. Number two, the GA don't want to run away train in terms of cost. And number three, managers have a responsibility to make sure they get the balance right. Yeah, And and Mikey, I was looking there. I had um, just so just look, look, I mean, it's very rough calculations. So I picked a random na- nameless county on the western seaboard that will go i would imagine deep into the championship all the way to the end of july you were allowed back to training narrow right? that one down right? yeah, yeah you <laughs> narrow that one down right okay so so you they they were allowed back to training on the first week of december so that's 33 weeks okay and i picked where the center of excellence is in the nameless county and then another particular hub in that county which would draw maybe five or six players that will have to travel from that area to their center of excellence. So it's 60 kilometers one way. So that's 120 kilometers by four times a week, which is 480 kilometers multiplied by 0.65. So that's 312 euros multiplied by 33 weeks. And I narrowed that down because it could be less. So that comes in just over 10 grand. And then you multiply that by 35, which is probably your panel of players, which is what they're looking for. And that heads for 360,000 euros. That's just mileage, right? That's just mileage alone. That's before your travel costs, your hotels, your overnights, your nutrition, your gear, your gym, your, you know, like, so we're not talking chump change here. So you can kind of see both sides of the argument. I think in fairness, from the GAA's perspective, they do have an onus to try and, tighten up a lot of the you know the issues around this because they're probably asking themselves look are we really getting bang for her buck here with this and then from the gpa's perspective they as Wheelow just articulated they don't want lads to be put into the invidious position where they feel under pressure to train and they're not being recompensed properly so look i think it's going to be interesting really to see how this plays out yeah. I suppose the, the, the pretext for all of this was two years ago when the collective bill for training was close to 30 million. And Tom Ryan, the director general, made some comments around that at the time that it was not only wasn't it wasn't only sustainable, it wasn't desirable either. And that drew a reaction at the time from the GP and then COVID came in. So I'd say around that 30 million, that bill will be less this year. The cost will be less because it's a much shorter season by mm. six weeks. So 
it, it has been it has been condensed and the GPA did reference that. But in talking about mileage, I mean, th there is a figure there for Mayo and I just can't put my hand in it now. But one of the years, it could have been 2017, could have been 2016. Actually, they went to October in 2016. And the mileage bill for all Mayo teams was in the region of six or seven hundred thousand. I stand corrected on that. That's like that it could have been, but I, I just can't find it there when you were talking, Rory, about a team yeah, in the Western yeah. Seaboard. Yeah. Mayo. Once he mentioned the centre of excellence, he kind yeah, of narrowed yeah, it down even further. We've narrowed it down to one. Yeah. <laughs> but I suppose the other factor, again, the other factor on that, the other factor on that column is that they're they're because of COVID that there's not as many of them travelling from Dublin. You know that was one of the yeah. big advantages to Mayo that they were only kind of they were training up in Dublin during the week, but then traveling they're probably doing a lot of traveling down for matches at the weekend. So being one of the advantages you would hope from COVID is that players are closer to home. Yeah, and the, I suppose the other thing that came out of it was that some probably some team meetings and perhaps even video sessions can take place can virtually. take place remotely. So again, it comes back to. What, what I said at the outset, and Kieran, you said it too, is there isn't very much here. There isn't very much, but there is a point of principle. And I think that's what the GPA were and Matthew O'Hanlon was trying to put across last yeah. night. That there is a point of principle that it shouldn't be, the cut shouldn't be on the players. It should be on the, the pressure should be on the counties to try and restrict it in some way. If it has to be restricted, if, or there, if there has to be cuts. But like, obviously, there's no cap on training here. The counties themselves can fund the uh the extra training sessions yeah there's no the, the, yeah but the, de facto de facto column, just won't be there de facto the ga are trying to put a limit on it because they know the county boards uh one thing that they they do here is um financial kind of regulation and restrictions and that's what they're trying to do but they're I don't think anybody disagrees that they're doing it a little bit arseways in yeah. trying to, you know, kind of penalise the players or not, or say we're not penalising the players. The county boards will have to pick up the the, the balance here. Yeah. But, but like, Mikey, you could do it in a financial, in a, like they could certainly look at doing it in a financial, like using a financial method to limit it. But to use the players as the go between, I think, is what everybody sees is not quite right here. But I think, Mikey, on that, the certainly the players want a, a, a definitive structure from the top that that they know they're guaranteed because i think when you leave it back to the county boards let's be very frank about this some county boards will be much better than others yeah and and some probably of the weaker counties will be players could be left out of pocket and uh, that's where kieran the yeah. that's where the equalization around commercial revenues and about how far they travel into there are lots of ways yeah. that that fin yeah. financial uh, equalization model could be introduced and there is a start on it at the moment there is an extra grant for those uh, being provided for those counties who generate less less commercial, of commercial revenue, revenue. Yeah. and there are other like obviously the tv and sponsorship money as well there's a grant a dividend 185,000 2019 was given out to every county no matter no matter what they generate generated uh independently of the ga that was given out so there's there's work around that that can that can balance it up and that can shore up those counties so that they can provide proper expenses yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll move on. Um, Rory, uh, Darren McCurry doesn't do many interviews and, and fair play to Thomas Nibbuck and the, the BBC to get him onto their uh, their excellent uh, GA Social podcast. There's been some great interviews on that recently. Uh, but my God, when he does an interview, he makes it memorable. <laughs> we all know Tyrone have lost a few players of late. Um, and he didn't hold back. If I was one of those boys under 26, my frame of mind would have been, let's go back and try to do something that no other team in Tyrone has done. Try and go back and win back to back. 
I think maybe they're thinking about them. Maybe they were thinking a wee bit more about themselves than the Tyrone team and the people of Tyrone. Um, this man did step away from the panel himself a couple of years ago, which yeah. is kind of makes it all the more interesting. But um, it's good. And Colin McShane said as much to us yesterday at another event that they are feeling the like McCurry wasn't saying that to be cruel. I'd say he they're like they're feeling these absentees now. You do have to be. You always have to be careful about throwing rocks from inside a glass house. But uh, he, yeah, like it's 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 going to. Like I, I think what we've heard in relation to their preparation, I suppose, is the fact that look, it's probably weakened their abilities and their A's versus B's probably drop off in training. They mightn't have the same level of intensity, the same quality is there. But I suppose this kind of t- like the the whole idea of players pulling out and dropping off panels probably ties into a, the very first conversation we had in terms of you know, burnout, lads, you know, looking at other aspects of their lives and maybe feeling that, you know, look, do I really want to be putting 30, 35 hours a week in here and seeing no game time when there's a whole other world out there. So you don't, I, I, you can't blame anybody. Like when you get into inter-county football, you don't sign a contract. If you decide to walk away, that's your own business. That's the way I'd look at it. Now, I think from Darren's point of view, he does make a good point in that they were in a position whereby Tyrone were looking to try and do something that no Tyrone team has managed. And, um, like, you know, look, I think that that task has probably made all, all the more more difficult now for them, given the fact that they have lost these players. But, look, I think they'll, they'll have their work cut out this weekend. And it's from Darren's point of view, maintaining their Division 1 status should be far more on top of their list of priorities than worrying about Maguire at this point. I think I think Mike, it's quite it's quite simple in my view. I think when when you're when you're in the first fifteen and you're performing well, you, you look at life through a different lens. Yeah. Um, and it's very very different to the guys that are bursting the butt in training and maybe sitting on the bench and not seeing light at the end of the tunnel. And and probably even a lot of those players didn't feel as much as they won the All Ireland last year. You'd never probably feel the same or get the same joy that that, that the first fifteen does. So I think. Darren McCurry's probably seen it in, in a different light. And, and and as he said, he was probably, you know, he spoke about, you know, he's going to walk away when Mickey Hart was there and yep. he lost his confidence and stuff like that. So I think every player is different depending on their circumstances and with, with the with the commitment that's required. If players don't feel that, you know, and, and may, maybe it comes back, you know, it comes back really good managers can invest more time managing the guys that are not playing. Uh, that are actually crucially more important when it comes to June, July and those A versus B games and, and getting a real competitive setup. Um, and, and then maybe that's a question mark that has to be asked maybe of Brian and, and Fergal, uh, uh, Fergal Logan. Why have six players mm. walked away? Um, and uh, so I think, listen, it's, 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 I think Darren Curry's looking at it through his own lens in my view. Yeah, there, is a, there has been a culture of players in and out. Lee Brennan has been in and out a few times of the Tyrone squad over the years. Obviously, Conor McAlisky and uh, Darren McCurry, as he said himself, he 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 uh, he was ready to go and had left before. So there there is that culture there. That's not apparent in the other top counties because if you look at Dublin, what did Darren Daly win? He won seven All Ireland medals, and he didn't start an All Ireland final. He didn't start very very many games, and there are a number of those type of players in Dublin who. I wouldn't say they were happy to be part of the squad, but they committed to it and uh, they stayed with it and they, they were just part of that environment and they created a superb environment, obviously. I, 
there aren't that many Kerry players that have drifted away. Peter Crowley's gone in, in recent times, obviously Tommy Walsh, but Tommy Walsh is into his 30s, well into his 30s at this stage. And over a long period of time, when Mayo were to the forefront, they're obviously back to the forefront now, but right through the, the middle of the... Uh, no players, very, very few players yep. uh, left at that stage. None of the other top teams had a drain like Tyrone. And it really has, to my mind, weakened them because these are all very, very decent players. Tierney McCann made a big contribution last year off the bench against Donegal. Mark Bradley against Monaghan. Uh, they all came in. They're all very, very capable. But for whatever reason, and I, do, I, I find it hard to believe that six players on the fringes have all just decided, ah, it's not for me anymore. Yeah. Uh, I just find it hard there, to... There's no... There's no where that six of them have all decided the same thing, that there's no, mm. there's no more room for us. There, there's no hint that the good cop, bad cop managerial duo that uh, obviously brought them to an All-Ireland are, are driving players away because, you know, they seem like... They inspired him to an All Ireland final last year, and like you know, Mickey Hart obviously, you know, the the players have come out and said Mickey Hart was the reason they've left, but nobody's come out yet and said anything about Fergal Logan or. Um, I think the big thing as well with them, I mean, if you look are. at Tyro- if you look at Tyrone generally, like it's not like they have their fifteen favorites and no one else gets a game, you know, mm. like they do have a, you know, you they will experiment, you will see lads coming in getting chances, so. There were five sendings off this league. They would have had a, that's what got, <laughs> got a run. Um, okay, we will move on. A quick mention, uh, column just for um, we've got peace in the Ulster Football Championship until it starts at least. Antrim are going to, I think they've seen sense, um, in my opinion, they've seen sense. Um, I know six par- six counties voted in favour of moving the game, but fair play to the aforementioned Throne and Derry for standing, standing with Antrim because I think it would have been grossly unfair if they lost their first home match in, was it 10 or 11 years, maybe more, uh, just because Corrigan Park holds less than 4,000. Um, so Cavan are going to have to make do with a, a smaller allocation of tickets. Yeah, look, that's the right decision. Uh, I, I think this principle was established in 2018 with Newbridge and Mayo and Kildare. Mm. And obviously there was seven and a half, eight thousand for a game that could probably have drawn 20,000 elsewhere. I think that's a reasonable figure for two well-supported counties at that stage, certainly 16, 17. With Corrigan Park is around three and a half, four thousand. 4,000. That game would not draw much more than 6,000. Uh, the last a, time the last time they met in the championship column, now it's a long time ago, there was 18,000 at the game. I don't think 18,000 would go to a game uh, anymore between between Cavan and Antrim. I could not see it, Rory. I think at the at the top end, seven, seven. It depends where it's played, of course. It just depends. Mm-hmm. In Breffney Park, for sure, you'd get a much bigger crowd because the crowd would travel. So within reason, a, a, a venue, I, I would I would think I would think any venue that can accommodate half what the anticipated crowd is probably is probably the ballpark for there are some there are some grounds still that probably aren't equipped. To, to host, uh, but a lot of work. The, the, the other thing I would Sorry, say as well, there's a few things, there's a few things though, Colm, that I would, I mean, look, you know, look, fair play tantrum and they, look, they've gotten their home fixture. It's three and a half thousand. That's three and a half thousand before you put media in. This is a championship match. That's three and a half thousand before you put TV cameras in, TV gantries, because this game will probably be shown live on BBC NI. So that three and a half thousand, by the time you get your safety officers in, could all of a sudden become two and a half or two, two, seven, two, five. So I, on the one hand, we spent the first 10 minutes decrying the GAA for not spending enough money looking after its players. And then on the other hand, 
saying fair play to Antrim for putting a championship match into a venue whereby they're making less money to pay these players the mileage rates that they're looking for. So there's an element of but there's you know, no more than the more no more than the GPA uh, argument. There is points of principle here, and I understand again, that. We go back. There is there is a there is an established principle here that if a team in a championship match gets drawn out first, they get a home venue, and it goes back to it goes back to the the FA Cup argument. Blyde Spartans or Run yeah. Corner, wherever it is, meet Manchester United. Well, they can go to Villa Park or they can go to wherever it is. Or they can play them at home and get that atmosphere and 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 draw on that and and you know again going against what we said at the very outset is it all about money? Well, sometimes it is. it's not. <laughs> it can't be. It can't yeah. be. It just it just can't be. So in this case, after Newbridge, I think a line was drawn in the sand on this. There are very very few intercounty grounds that probably can't accommodate. Uh, a championship match of this stature. If this was further on in the championship, there'd be no question it would be moved out. I think yeah, the hands would be up there. First round, I think you give Antrim their their, their shot out in Corrigan Park. Rory, if we can't be contradictory and contrary on St. Patrick's Day, when can we be? That's true. Uh, that's true. We'll have a quick look at some. We'll have a quick look at some of the games because um, we're we're actually we're running out of time. Poor Derek McGrath will be wondering what we're doing with them. Um, so I'm actually going to skip Division 1. We'll, we'll discuss the implications and the ramifications on Monday. But obviously, um, Division 2 and Division 3 are very interesting. Um, Rory, it's only it's only 12 years ago these two teams were playing an All-Ireland final. Yeah. And now they're effectively playing a um, relegation semi-final. Let's call it that. Because if either Cork or Down lose this game... Yeah, well, if Offaly managed to get any kind of result at all at home to Roscommon, the loser of this game is down. Yeah. Um, you'd say on the evidence of what we've seen so far, Cork are maybe the slightly larger dwarf, but that that'd be as far as you go. Um, I think the down came down to Cork about three or four years ago in a Division Two game, maybe at that time, or might have been even Division Three, and managed to get a draw. Which I think would pretty much doom both teams, really. So, and you could nearly make an argument to say which game is bigger, the All Ireland final of 2010 or this game <laughs> on Sunday. Um, it's going to be a very, very small crowd at it. Um, there, look, it, look, we both counties are at a low ebb. Um, we have cameras going to it, obviously, and we'll be featuring in the first part of our program on Sunday night because um, it is a significant game in terms of calling it. Who knows? Genuinely, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> he's given up, lads. He's actually given up. Pat Spillane broke him on Monday. I think you know, he's, he's just given up. Colin, from a neutral slash Meadman's point of view, you're almost free. How do you see it going? Uh, I think Cork will summon something. I, I just, I just feel Cork will sum, summon something to rescue themselves here, bad and all as they were, and bad and all as they appear, they were looked really terrible against uh against Meath. But they have they have drawn with with Claire. Obviously down have drawn drawn with Meath uh in a in a in a storm in, in Navan. But I think with Ian Maguire back, Brian Hayes on the periphery, Brian Hurley back, I just think there's enough good players there. Obviously Sean Meehan is a huge loss for Cork. Uh Given his performances over the last over the last year, but I actually think Cork will summon something to win this game and give them give themselves a chance of survival. I think they're getting some more players back there. Obviously, 
the St. Finbar St. Finbar's players were a little bit late coming back, and maybe they'll just just turn it uh, in 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 Cork's favour. Yeah, Milo, um, are, are we a little bit surprised at, at at how down have performed thus far this year, or is it just a matter of talent drain? Because obviously, James McCartan's come back in there. Aidan O'Rourke's on, on the coaching ticket, very well thought of coach. Um, is it simply what they just don't have enough to work with given cool cool players gone and other players kind of speaking of, like similar to Tyrone, there isn't there doesn't seem to be a complete buy-in from the best players in down. Yeah, and I suppose that's the part they were probably hoping for, that they would get their best team back on the field, you know, with 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 a good coaching team coming in. Um listen, they've been very poor in the league so far. Um and you know, I I'd agree that I think Cork just might get something a little bit more at home. I think the home advantage could could be crucial in this one. Um so I, I would I would fancy you know maybe Cork just 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 about to squeeze it. They were off a poor last week. You know, they don't look like they've any structure about them and what they're trying to do. Uh, they're playing headless football, but you know, even against Galway, there was there was signs of a little bit of hope when they when, when they put up a decent enough score, uh, and I think Cork would just have enough to come through. Uh, there you go, Roy. There's some hope. It's all about setting Kerry up for the ambush in June. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the Guinness already. That's um, the the other game at the top of the table. There, Colin is. It's intriguing. It, it is now. It's just worked out as a three way playoff for those two spots in Division One with Galway, Derry and Roscommon playing each other. Um, so Derry and Galway are playing uh, this weekend. Um, I, I, I don't think people are, 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 are playing, are kind of seeing less in Derry than they were before. They've obviously just, they, they had a proper test last week against Roscommon. And this obviously is, is, is another such test. Um, discipline was a, 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 an issue last weekend and we got a little bit of flack after the podcast for suggesting that Derry were hard done by a lot of Roscommon fans saying, you know, they were just as hard done by, and I don't think any of us were saying that it was a, that that was a one-sided affair. It just seemed to be a very, very niggly match. And you kind of hope, given the talent we've seen from both these teams thus far this this season, that this this match on Sunday between Derry and Galway is a more open affair. Yeah, uh, home advantage will, will, will be a factor here, uh, I, I sense. Uh, on a form line through Roscommon, Galway have had the edge over Roscommon teams in the championship and league last year. But Roscommon have improved. There's no doubt they have brought in a few players. Eddie Nolan being one at midfield has really given them given them something. And Enda Smith is really really leading Roscommon now in a way that he Who probably Smith? hasn't hasn't done before. He's been he's been exceptional and Donny Smith too. So they have a very very good forward line, Roscommon. Um, but Galway have had the edge over them so you would you would think that they will be equally competitive but I think home advantage Derry are very very well structured very well set up very difficult to beat up there as teams have found out and I think that that gives them a slight edge here yeah how do you see it going Willow? yeah I, I you know I, I think like you look at Galway and what I still think there's question marks over Galway yeah they're putting up big scores but look at the teams that they've they've beaten you know nearly apart from Clare, I suppose, last weekend, the other four were slugging it out kind of at the bottom. Um, and they haven't really been tested or asked a question. And I think this is a big, big game for them this weekend. You look at Derry, 
they're the best offensive record, I think, across the, the whole four leagues. I think they're conceding an average, what, eight to nine points per match. And Galway traditionally have struggled in, in breaking down defensive structures over the last couple of years. And they're going up to a Derry team that has momentum and I think very well organised under Rory Gallagher. The Shane McGuigan factor, obviously, has he appealed? Matt, did he get off? Or or I'm not too sure where, 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 where that's... But it was only a second yellow anyway, we know. So he's okay. He's okay, so he's... Yeah, second yellow. It was a second yellow, so... Did it, not, it didn't come out that he was suspended, no? Mm, not that I saw, anyway, no. no not for a second yellow, he wouldn't be. Unless, really. unless, unless it was for something that he said after he got the yellow card. Yeah, I thought because that. Because he, 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 he let a body go now as he was walking off. I thought I read, but I think he he was maybe appealing his suspension. So I think that's a, that's if he should, like, that's, it depends what he's been reported for. Um, so if he's playing or not, I think is, is going to be crucial from a dairy perspective. Like I thought last week, I thought I, I have a real bugbear. I know I discussed it lads on, 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 on Monday, but this thing about the, the instigator should really be punished and linesmen should be looking for instigators. It's it pulling down top players. I've been consistent enough for years. It does my head in when two lads just are given a yellow card for rolling around the ground when it's obvious it's a defender trying to pull down a forward. But I think obviously he's going to be... He has got a one-game ban. Sorry, I'm just yeah. checking here. Gaelic Life are reporting it. Yeah, he got a one-game ban for a comment oh, made following yeah. his sending off. Yes. Yeah. So that's so, huge. Yeah, so that, that could be a significant game-changer if he's missing because we know how reliant they've been on him up front in terms of scores so if he plays I think Derry win if, if if he doesn't then it really gives an opportunity opens up for Galway yeah no, that, that that would be a massive and um, it's and just add that's the game we're starting with on Sunday night I'm really and it's the one game I'm really looking forward to seeing because I echo Wheelo Wheelo sentiments there in terms of this is the first really good test for Galway but it will be interesting to see now given light of that news how Derry managed to cope without Shane McGuigan so Something mm. to really look forward to on Sunday. Um, quick mention of Division Three, lads. That we, we really are running out of time. Like I said, there was news this week that that that's that scuppered us. Um, Column, it's um, it always seems to be Division Three. Never mind the Charlton Cup or anything like that. Always seems to be Division Three where you've got realistically six teams in the running. It's it's I don't know what it is about it. It's like the Championship in English football. It's always slightly compelling. So take Longford and Wicklow out of it, and you really do have. You got three teams who can reach ten points or more, and then you've got Fermanagh and Leash who, if they win their last two games, can make nine and would have an outside chance depending on the results. So, it's uh, speaking of grounds holding matches above their stature, uh, it's to RD for Loud the Antrim, which well, is tell the top me all of the about table it, Tell me all about it, Mikey, in terms of cameras and positions and stanchions and oh yeah, yeah, we know all about so it. Loud is Loud is Loud is one county that the that that there really is a deficit of 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 grounds up up to a certain standard but it's in it's in rd and it's been a remarkable turnaround for louth given where they were with whatever it was 15 minutes left to go uh down on the um the astroturf pitch in university in, of Limit, UL, yeah. third round match was was changed to and there were something like five down to limerick and they came back and i think they scored the last seven points remarkable turn turnaround and they've since gone and beaten beaten Westmead they've beaten Fermanagh and they've soared to the top of right into the right into the mix here and should they beat Antrim I would expect they will go on and beat Limerick or beat Wicklow in the final round and qualify and at the heart of all this is 
I don't know, is there a more, everything being relative, is there a more valuable player to a team right now than Sam Mulroy? Uh, He's just been fantastic. I think he, he scored 235 so far in the league. And so he led that fight back against against uh, Limerick. Limerick. He also scored the equaliser against Longford. Uh, he's been so vital to them. He's got goals at important times too. And, you know, for years you would have said, well, the most valuable player to a county relative to everything would be Michael Murphy. But Samuel Roy in Division 3 with Loud, he's the difference between them you know, possibly going back to Division 4 and now looking likely, in my view, of stepping up and getting back into Division 2. Um, yeah. And he's he's been terrific for them. And I expect Antrim beat them in the first round, Mickey Hart's first competitive game last year. That was also in Louth. Louth are a much improved team since then. Obviously, so are Antrim, but I think Louth's improvement is uh, is very significant. And I think we'll be looking at them getting being one of the promoted teams. And can I just say, for the record, uh, if you go back to our um, Football League um, prediction podcast, uh, only one person predicted that Loud would, would, would be promoted. That was me, obviously. I wouldn't be making such a big deal out of it. If it was They're not there yet. Me. I know, but they would like... <laughs> a, draw, um, a, draw, a draw on that game, Mikey, could open up in the following week. Because anything, be anything can happen in that division. Like, I know, that yeah. Look, is look, so top. It, it is. It's it's yeah. it's, it's very it's great. interesting, um, except for my 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 adopted county Wicklow, who are certainly out of promotion race, and right. they may be the first team first team relegated. At least Wexford can't be relegated. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's enough talk about football. I'm going to go talk about hurling now, where Wexford exactly. are top of the tree. Wheelow, thank you very much, and we'll catch up on all no, the football whatever. doings on Monday. Enjoy your St Patrick's no, Day, whatever. and we'll get Derek McGrath in now to talk about hurling. Thanks, lads. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Oh, holy Moses. Welcome back. We've been joined by Derek McGrath. Happy St. Patrick's Day, Derek. How are you all doing? We're all good. We're all good. Um, so, look, at, uh, Colin, one of the reasons we got you on this week is you wrote a piece, which I found quite interesting, uh, something we've struck on before about the fact that the, uh, the Allianz Hurling League isn't, isn't quite as compelling as the Allianz Football League or quite as compelling as a lot of sporting competitions really because um, it's first of all it's arguable how many teams are too bothered to win it a case in point this season would be would be Limerick um, then there's the fact that you know the, the best teams are diluted into two divisions um, it's very hard to get relegated from it if you're any good and there's semi-finals and a final when really most people probably think that a final would suffice. So this weekend you've got, got a Wexford and Cork playing down in Wexford Park and they've both already qualified. Um, Nimerick are playing awfully, needing something, needing a result to not be in a relegation playoff, which we'd all think would be hilarious if Offaly pulled it out of the bag, but I don't think anybody's really expecting it. Galway, Clare, Leash, Dublin, Tipperary, Antrim, you know, there's something to play for there, but we're not really expecting huge results. So you're kind of looking at one game in Nolan Park as the kind of, you know, this, it's kind of the game this weekend, which is a shame when it's the final round of fixtures. Yeah, I do. And the, the reason, the point I would make is that you see what's going on in the Football League. And now maybe there's an element of comparing apples and oranges and uh, you, you can flip that argument and say, well, there won't be much consequence uh, in April and May when the provincial football championships are playing out and there's cut and trust in the, in the hurling round robins. And that's, and that probably will be the way it'll, it'll, it'll play out, but it'll be for a much shorter period of time. 
And ostensibly, the league is the second competition, still the second competition. There isn't any question about that. The championship and all Ireland, the provincial and all Ireland are, are linked. And I just get the sense that it's almost by design, it's been converted into into a development league, uh, a preamble up to the to the round robin, that the round robin has been so cut and trust that you can't have, you just can't have a second competition as intense as that. And that may be the case. And perhaps in another year, you would have everything coming down to the, uh, you would have everything coming down to the last round and more teams, more teams would be, would be, uh, having something to fight for. But I would question also how much they'd be willing to fight for that. Who does it really, who does it really matter to, to win the league? Well, possibly Cork. They'd like to put their hands on a national trophy. Uh, they haven't won it since 1998. Wexford would have to go back to the early seventies for, for them. I'd be pretty sure Waterford would cover it as well. And Kilkenny have always, uh, Kilkenny have always, but would they really, really spoil for it in any case with the, with the looming, championship just now only four weeks and by the time they play a final whoever qualifies for the final it'll be two weeks obviously if it's Waterford they'll have Tipperary coming back down the road to them uh, just two weeks later so how does that square with their championship preparation it's a little bit different for football but in terms of talking points there aren't many talking points through the current league Limerick's form okay they lost four but by comparison to to where Dublin were, there's far much more. There, there appears to me to be far greater consequence to a team like Dublin losing four league games than there is to Limerick losing four games. There's much more consequence to the bottom of Division Two in the football than there is to the bottom of Division Division One A and One B in 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 hurling. So, the other point is it it moved away from two merit based groups in. 2020 and obviously it was that was done for for a reason managers felt that they weren't able to run players in it was too cutthroat and experimentation but i felt that always had a little bit more consequence it made it it made it more interesting and i think i i, I feel having seen this league play out i i, I feel a merit-based uh division 1a and 1b would 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 suit the game better and would engage people more yeah derek you you won a proper league in 2015 you know when it was still <laughs> it was still too you know it was it was too, it was a division 1a and a division 2b by right um it was your first it was the first one since 2007 and only the third overall so i, I i'm not even going to try and make the argument to you that it didn't matter to you then it clearly did but i guess the argument we're making now is certain teams in certain years it might mean something to them but there's no argument that it means something to every team every year yeah, it's it's a, it's an interesting one because when I was manager of Waterford, now I would have championed for the current format because when you're manager, you have a kind of a selfish, <laughs> not a selfish outlook, but you're kind of thinking to yourself. The reality is, I suppose, there's a kind of a, a, a template there, or there's you know, there's been discussions and you know help, I suppose, um, kind of purported to be kind of directed towards you know, the seemingly kind of second tier counties, if you like, without without being insulting, i.e. kind of awfully leash Westmead that have, you know, uh, been been competitive without winning a huge amount in, in the in the current league. And there was, there's kind of a, a disparity here between those teams. So there's a safety net, to be honest with you. If you want to be completely honest, there's a safety net for the top four teams in each division, actually the top five teams out of the six in each division that they nearly know that they're not going to be relegated. So the the consequences of being relegated, and you mentioned the league, and we were relegated twice under my tenure. Um, um, you know, my first year in 14 and my last year in 18. 
and the consequences in terms of um, dissipation of confidence, depending on where your trajectory is, is significant. You know, would you know much particularly if you're from a Waterford or or you haven't won in All Ireland or you're not coming on the back of, of what John Coyley has done in Limerick, etc. It, it's different, so it, it's definitely less cutthroat. But it, but it's it's probably an opportunity putting a management hat on to kind of be able to say right, you know. We, we can we can time it if you like. Now, having said that, I don't think you know you know the argument that um you know how much I, I heard even I think Liam Liam Sheedy and Joanne talking on 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 the uh, league Sunday last Sunday week I think about about the fact that you know you need the two weeks or three weeks if you get to a league final. I think given the participants involved and Colin has alluded to this already, Cork, Wexford, Waterford, I think. I think they'll want to win the league and I don't see their progress in the championship being too particularly stalled or, or, or kind of, you know, hindered by, by winning a league. And that, that'll be my um, take on it, you know, and, and, and nor, nor do I see Limerick's loss of their four games, particularly hindering their progress in the championship as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because even a couple of years that we were relegated, you were on four points and you're relegated on, you go into a, a playoff with the fifth and sixth Based on on goal difference or scoring, and it's it can be fairly cutthroat, you know. So, as as a manager looking back now, I would I would welcome the current format. But as a kind of a, a viewer and spectator, it's definitely lacking a bit of um, you know, not just based on this weekend's fixtures, but just overall, it's lacking a bit of kind of cut, I suppose, more than anything. Yeah. Rory, there's the uh, I was thinking about it this morning, and I said, seeing as our main competition is now a league, you know, there's an argument that the league doesn't doesn't need to be a league. So, you know, I was kind of looking at a few options. You could obviously go with a straight knockout competition, which would have, you know, some benefits in terms of excitement, but obviously it would mean in, in terms of the prep competition, some teams would be getting one one game. So the other option would be like a bracket system, like say how the Hockey World Cup works, where everybody plays. And if you lose, you kind of go into the shield and you're in like a, you're in the sixth to eighth place playoff or the fifth to sixth place playoff. And, you know, you kind of, so you're guaranteed maybe three games, but almost like your your route is set by your first game you're either in the winning bracket or the losing bracket and then the other option i thought of was kind of what they do in uh, domestic new zealand rugby which i kind of like is the ranfurly shield which is kind of like boxing it's kind of like the winner has the shield and if you beat the winner then you're the winner, winner stays on yeah yeah, yeah kind of thing, you know? <laughs> there's a few options like we're, we're not tied to the league yeah. being the no. league seeing as the championship yeah. is the league it, it's difficult but it is difficult because your your championship is based it's very set uh, it's a provincial round robin. You know who you're playing every year, year and year, and it's a good system. There's no point in saying that the uh, the, the, the hurling, the provincial round robin, uh, is a very good system. Very, it, it has it has worked well. We'll see how the six teams in in Leinster now works out this year, but it has worked well. There is no doubt. So we can't lose sight of that either. Very simple tweak for me is to go back to the two merit-based and I can accept Derek's argument because that was always the sentiment of the managers in the top, at the top level. But I do think that the best teams should be putting out as close to their best teams in the second, in the second most important competition. That, that would be my sense of it, especially one so close to the championship. But I do, I, I like the way you're thinking, Mikey, because I think the league does actually afford the GAA and hurling and the main stakeholders, the opportunity to experiment. And I think that's what should be taken now is try things, you know, like, t- like do stuff that might you no know, look the reality as well is 
as we know, well, certainly since my time watching Hurling, which is going back now, I suppose, nearly 40 years at this point, like in as much as I can remember, it's been rejigged every few years. And every few years, someone says, well, we don't like this format. Let's go back to that format. Well, we had that format, but let's go back to this other format. So it's like, I think at this stage, nearly everything has been tried in insofar as we can. Maybe it's a, a brand new way of thinking it, or maybe the league. And again, I really enjoyed Colin's piece. And I think it's the points he made were perfectly valid. But then I was saying to myself, maybe it's the case. Maybe it's just the case that the league is what it is. Like that, that, that what it is now is what it's probably meant to be and what it always should be which is a warm-up competition for the real league, which is now starting. Because obviously, when the round robin came in in 2018, it, 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 it put a whole new complexion on how managers and players and supporters and everybody would start viewing a league-based format. So I think that's its biggest problem at the minute, in that in hurling now you have two leagues, one that matters, one that really doesn't. And I suppose, is there... a a way of looking at the one that doesn't and injecting a bit of life into it in terms of a rejig format. Again, that might, you know, spark people's interest, imagination, and maybe draw people back in, you know, and make the competition yeah. a little bit more vital. I know there's there's, there's money involved, Derek, and that is, as we were discussing in the football part of the show, it, it, it is all important in the GA. But is there any argument to say there's too many games in the league now? Could you split the top division into four groups or like uh, our team? Because... Would there be a bit more jeopardy then if we're accepting that managers won't agree to go back to the merit-based one, which I think we all concede the merit of, no, no pun intended. But like, is there like Antrim and Tipperary are playing a game this weekend, which which is of no consequence at all. And the be- and, and the most consequential thing that could come out of it is serious injuries that rule be players out of the championship. Are they playing too many games for a competition that at this point, you know, is meaningless to half the teams? Two points on that, Mike. I think one, given the fact that the round robin gives you four games, you know, is is you then can alter the the league to a, to a, to a shorter league if you want, you know. So change mm. it, it can happen, right? The second thing is, if you did go back to a merit based league, the one major issue I had with it, and again, maybe this is just a person, you finished fifth in one A, right? <laughs> and the fourth team that finish in one B get a quarter final spot, you know. So technically, they would all be dispensed with, obviously. Yeah, exactly, and that's my point. That's mm. that's my very point. So you know, the, the merit base. You know, you're looking at then the the team that finished tenth in actual fact in the league are awarded with a quarter final, and your head is on a chopping block down in Waterford because you're in a relegation playoff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, so it's yeah. just it's just again, I'm just kind of reliving the times in terms of what could possibly happen as a result of of the league. But I'd be open to change. The round robin for me changes everything because that's a, a brilliant league championship. Like, you know, that's, yeah. that's, I, I can't even help, you can't help thinking about even now. I know I'm fast forwarding like water against tip and five days later we're down playing Limerick in Limerick. You know, what's going to happen? Who are the Amazing. three to go through? So that's, that's what you're kind of thinking about constantly. But look, post COVID, you have huge, you know, you have good attendances. I went down to watch Wexford and Offaly now on a Saturday, last Saturday week, I think, or, or two weeks ago, or whatever. And, and it was kind of a, you know, you're getting good attendance. It's a good atmosphere at the place. It was a huge crowd in. It was a huge yeah. crowd in Walsh Park for what for tip, wasn't there, Derek? There was yeah, a massive crowd. crowd yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, six and a half, seven thousand there, and and definitely a good feel good atmosphere there around the league. And and the argument also, and we'll probably talk about Watford and Kenny in a while. Like I, I I'm contradicting myself here because I'm going to say it doesn't matter, but I, I do think everyone they'll be leaving everything out in the field in Northern Park on Sunday. So that you know that kind of. Mm. You know, the, the knock-on effect of, of getting some confidence up and keeping the confidence up will be important too, you know? Yeah. There are other, there, and there are other 
small little things. I mean, we spoke earlier on about Samuel Roy and, you know, the performances that have been taking place in the lower, the lower echelons of the Football League. I mean, is it worth looking at potentially an All-Stars selection at the end of the league, you know, that is spread across, you know, all the teams and then have a separate All-Stars? You don't have to call them All-Stars, call them whatever you want. Or is there potentially you throw in a holiday for the winners at the end of the league for each of the divisions? Is there, can you mess around with maybe three points for a win, bonus points? All these types of things I think should be looked at to try and, you know, like use the league for what it is. It's a great opportunity to experiment ahead of what we now know is the real, is the real, the real deal, which is the championship league, which takes place only four weeks in time. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll tease you on. We uh, we'll actually keep that with that Watford Kilkenny chat just to just till the end because uh, just um to mention the lower divisions column, it, it is very much worth mentioning that Division Two, um, with the the prize of <laughs> the the prize of uh, of uh, potentially coming up to Division One is probably going to be decided, uh, Saturday night with Kerry traveling up to Down. Um, we were lamenting the form of the down footballers in the first half of the show. So I think credit must go to the down hurlers who have perhaps surprised a little bit to be like kind of in pole position there this season. Uh, but <clears throat> Kerry have been very strong uh, in this division too. And obviously under, under, under new management, um, you know, they, they certainly gave signs of that at the very outset of the season when they, when they beat Tipperary, albeit a weakened Tipperary team, but Still, that was a huge, huge result for them. They've obviously benefited from the introduction of three players from from outside as well uh, that have been making a difference. And uh, that that rule change has benefited them. So all told, even though it's an away fixture, I'd expect I expect Kerry to to uh, to advance and get back to uh, division up to to get back into Division One B. Yeah, um, Steve Malumphy, you have would have had him. Pegged as a managerial uh, potential, Derek. Yeah, um, he was involved in my first year now in fourteen as, as so a manager. Yeah, great, great guy. Like you know, obviously military background there. You know, very organised, highly efficient, uh, good disciplinarian. Um, would have come across him a lot of times here playing against Ballyloe football in the, in the in the club scene. Very underrated player player for Watford, even under Justin McCarthy's era. If you think back and like left half forward, he was one of those guys that was going doing the Garrod Hegarty role before it was ever fashionable to be, you know, <laughs> that deep wing forward role, you know, very clever player coming deep, you know, I think in 2007, Dan got hurt of the year, I think seven of Dan's goals, or four assists from Steve Malone for that particular year, just little hand passes, very selfless in his play, and I think that selflessness is obviously evident in what he's doing in, in, in Kerry, continuing good work. The, the interesting thing about that, again, and it's back to our debate, is if you take the Antrim scenario where they've had really good performances, Last year, you take the Westmead scenario where they had a really good performance against ourselves down here in Welsh Park. And Westmead were then able to win the Joe McDonough on the back of being exposed to the to the top-level games. And, and that's the thing, you know, that kind of, not the yo-yo effect, but Kerry, you know, will have to be hugely competitive in the, in the McDonough as well as getting promotion. And if they're promoted next year, we'll be talking this time next year about the learnings for Kerry and, and it's very hard not to think that we won't be talking that way when Kerry will be in a group next year perhaps if they promoted with you know with heavy hitters and and that's where where we're back to the, to column speaks I suppose you know yeah the pro- and the problem as we know then and this is where you know the whole thing from a hurling perspective becomes more difficult I mean Westmead have been 
I wouldn't say languishing, but they've been in Division 2A, so they haven't been exposed to top-level hurling. And in four weeks' time, Dave Kilkenny coming to town yeah. in the championship, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, we're doing great on the segues today, so we will move on to Kilkenny <laughs> and Waterford. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is seamless, lad, seamless. Um, it is it is the game that, 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 that stands out, really, Derek. Um, we're imagining TJ Reid is home from his honeymoon now a couple of weeks, so maybe he'll get his his, his maybe he'll be get a run out. So will he be up against Ty DeBarca, you know, Hugh Lawler, Mikey Kiley, um, Paddy Deegan, and uh, Patrick Car- like there there's matchups all over the field here, and um, we've been talking about shall we say Waterford's manly approach to the games thus far this this season. It's been almost Kilkenny esque, so. We we could be in for you know the 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 hurly men will want to be um on their toes on Sunday I think <laughs> yeah and it, look look I think you'll possibly see and again not that I'm out of touch here but I think you'll possibly see the reintegration of some maybe Daisy uh, maybe Austin back in the squad I don't think Jamie's fit yet but but um um Caleb Lyons nearly ready as well I think those four players those four major players for Waterford Caleb Lyons Jamie Barron. Austin Gleeson and Desi Hudson, maybe Ian Kenny might get a run in the full back line because, you know, they'll have two weeks, I suppose, this week and the semi, almost guaranteed semi final, shall we say. Yeah, mathematically, um, it's mathematically, almost, I suppose, certain, yeah. yeah. Like, so that would be the, I think Watford will be going all out, but I think they will maybe squeeze in three or four players. You might even see Corrick Daly back in the squad as well. And then it'll be, I think they'll pin down from semi final of a league and national league final as to their, their final squad. They think anyone is interested in that, it looks like Hugh Laura, a three, Paddy Deegan at six, Parig Welsh at 11, maybe TJ Reid at, at 14 with a sprinkling of, of new players as well. Depending on, I, I know you've had the Parig Welsh debate before, but it looks like he's he's settling on that, you know. It looks like Hugh Lawler at three, as I said, Paddy Deegan at six. Um, so it'll be interesting. You know, regardless of the result, I, I think Waterford are ahead of Kilkenny. And that's my honest assessment. I think they're ahead of Kilkenny. I'm not saying they'll actually definitely win next Sunday because Kilkenny, I think they think they have to win, you know. I think Kilkenny have to win to guarantee a semi-final spot. And they're hard to beat, hard to beat all the time in Nolan Park. But um I think Waterford are ahead of them and I think we're we're in a really good place, you know. We're in a really good place. Yeah, Colin, I think every week when we, we have a hurling podcast, we're just waxing lyrical about how Waterford are playing, but also kind of boggling our minds at the players that haven't seen any game time yet and just talking about how They've had tough time with injuries over the last two years, but now that they touch wood for them, have everybody fit, their strength and depth is it's it's unmatched. It's it's as strong as what is out there, uh, in terms in terms of in terms of squad for sure. Uh one of the couple of the striking things for me was I think the Bally Gunner players after winning their All Ireland Club title that were back within within about 10 days. Uh that was that was quite striking and significant for me. There's a real momentum building behind behind Waterford, obviously stemming from at the outset Liam Cal's uh recommitment to them in the face of pressure to come and manage his own native county. That's quite a statement uh at any stage. Their home record uh under Liam Cal over the last now into three seasons has been very, very impressive. I think they've won. Derek might correct me here, but I think they've won all seven games they've yeah. played. They've beaten Limerick, they've beaten Tip down there twice, they've beaten Cork, Galway. They've 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 won so many games down there, and obviously they're going to play two games down there in the in the round robin. So that's that's quite a psychological uh, help <clears throat> to Waterford right now. You talk about the players that have to come in, obviously from Ballygunner, a couple of them were in, reintroduced the last day. 
then you've Stephen Bennett scoring 116. Now, you'll say some of them are frees and all of that, but just so accurate, so consistent, so dynamic for them uh, at all times. I mean, just the way they blitzed Tipperary, albeit a bit of a wind advantage the last day, but their fitness, their staying power was really, really it. You'd always say that for a team that's finishing strong, but to me, looking yeah. looking back at it, it was actually, I thought it was evident how competitive and how how they outran Tipperary in the end. And I think it's probably a point that Liam Cahill uh, referenced himself. So all things considered, I think they're in a very, very strong place. I think they're probably nearly qualified as, as it is. It would take a, a remarkable sequence of results. I think that yeah. it, it would actually require Kilkenny yeah. beating Waterford and, and Dublin beating Leash. Uh, By 50 points or something. 50, 53 yeah. points is the difference. I, I just yeah. don't think it's feasible. And that's why... Waterford are in the semi. Derek, I think the need is greater for Kilkenny uh, in that respect. And while while Waterford will be, you know, they they will be competitive. They're 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 effectively in in to me. They're in the league semi final. That's it's not. I I think they're a bit out of reach for 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 Dublin. It all it it it's all. Go on, Derek. Go on. The other thing I was going to say, and you know, it hasn't been kind of noted. I suppose is that I think there's a strong argument to be made that. These players are actually reaching their prime now, you know. Yeah. You know, you know, you know, you know, like like I, I came in, I was involved in 14, right? Austin was involved in 14, Tyg was involved in 14, Jamie Barron in 14, and Jamie Barron actually in 13. Like they're they're actually in their ninth, tenth season now, you know. And and if I just add up the losses of finals, you know, people are saying Warford have to be competitive. I, I lost four finals anyway. We we lost four finals out of five. They lost the league final under Paulic Fanning, they lost the Munster final under Liam Cal, they lost an all Ireland final. So my point being, I suppose. They've lost the last eight finals they've played in in the nine years, I suppose, since 14. You know, so they're a, they're on a mission now, I'll be straight up to you, you know. This team, I, I've, I've been lucky enough to just, you know, just watching from afar, even the odd training session, just trying to pick up a few drills. These, this team are on a mission, you know, and I, I think that's, that's really, there's a hunger. So, you know, people talk about how they're playing and, you know, running the ball from deep and forwards, back in the backs and breaking everywhere. Fine, no problem with that. And the momentum from Ballygunner and the recommitment from Liam Cahill, definitely. All factors. Huge psychological factors. De Borca's presence, he can do it all. Like, this fella can do it all, right? But the big factor for me is they've, they've, they're going for it. Like, they're they're all in, you know what I mean? They're all in. And and that's the... It might sound like an old-fashioned motivational kind of approach, but... You can see it, like it's very evident, you know. Well, it worked well enough for the guy on the on the other sideline for long enough, Rory, didn't it? Like Kilkenny, they had all the hurlers, but what separated them was that it was that absolute will to kill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or at least win. Sorry, quit kills a bit much. Yeah, they had. Um, Actually, the man like, himself but, used that phrase, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they, they had they they had an embarrassment of riches though for a very long time that created internal competition that drove them on and you just couldn't rest on your laurels. No, look, that's the hallmark of any Brian Cody team. I don't think that's ever going to change. We saw it again the last day. There was move to talk and I was one of them that felt that it was Dublin's time to really lay down a marker and Kent Kilkenny came out and gave him a right reddening. So you, the, the minute you kind of like in classic, media uh, the media wrote us off the usual like you know when you do that with Kilkenny it usually comes back to bite you but at the same time I I just I, I like I mean look we sat at the very beginning of the year we talked about you know our runners and riders and who we thought might kind of you know make a big statement in this league and I said Waterford and I still stick to that I stick to my guns on that that's easy I to think... stick to your guns on it now right yeah I know <laughs> but I did say it at the start of the year you did, I, felt you did. That, I felt that I felt that they have 
they're, that they're at a stage in their development now. They've got a brilliant management. They've got a brilliant panel of players. Uh, that was even before seeing them, by the way, and they've obviously done a lot of work in terms of their physical fitness. And then you marry all of that up with what Derek just spoke about, which is just that sense of togetherness and that sense of missionary drive that they now have to just nail this once and for all. And I think, look, a league title will probably be a good stepping stone from their point of view. I don't really see it being a stumbling block or hinder their championship in any way because they have such depth in their panel. I think from Waterford's perspective, they may as well go on and, and, and try and win this league. And I'd expect a good performance from them as well on Sunday. They'll feel, look, Derek is probably far better than me to, to uh, articulate this. But anytime Waterford have an opportunity to play Kilkenny, if there's nothing on it at all, there will always be something on it because just the nature of the rivalry and the fact that the two counties are so close and the, the, the border and all of that. I mean, you know, so I think they'll, they'll go up to Nolan Park on Sunday and they'll feel, you know, look, we want to put down a marker. I do still firmly believe that Munster hurling is just better than Leinster hurling at the minute. And I think we'll probably see that on Sunday. Yeah. I, we, I don't know why you had to stick in that jibe there at the end. But yeah, I know. I, I, but I, I do think it is. I just think the standard in Munster is higher. I I don't think there's any argument there. I think any time we have a Munster pundit on here, they love be a Derek, whoever, like... You talk about the league and you all just project forward to the Munster Championship because you're all just, you can't. I often, I often find, I find that interesting. Munster historically has probably always been. Uh, that's stronger. true too, Colin. Except it's for the always, outlier. It's always been. Oh, yeah, I, it's just stronger. Yeah, it's a stronger, yeah. it's a stronger base there. I mean, Wexford that's, and Oxford come yeah, from yeah, time to time. Yeah, Kilkenny yeah. will always be there, but, but yeah. the five counties in, uh, the five counties in Munster have, you know, they're, they're yeah. six now. Carrier But I suppose the point, the point is that you know, like if that's your bar and if in my view, Wadford are at the very top of that bar, then I think the task is greater for Kilkenny this weekend than it is for Watford. Because oh God, I don't think anybody's denying that. Yeah, no, they're definitely the balance of power has yeah, yeah, yeah. has flipped there. Um, they won't get Ferry Bank off you anytime soon, Derek. <laughs> no, and my own, my, own, my, my own parents are, are, are from Ferrybank. My own poor father is buried in Ferrybank. Yeah, so we, we have a big connection there with the local rivalry. And obviously, in school, we have a huge amount of boys from Munkine and Piltown and Kilmacow, etc. And listen, we had a couple of wins over them in the league in 16 and 17 when I was involved. And they'd come into school the next morning and they'd, they'd rather kind of drolly tell you that they don't hand out all their medals in, in March, sorry, you know, and, and you get the kind of. So it's look as Rory alluded to, it's it, it's going to be good to turn the screw as well if we got the chance up there on, on on Sunday. And I think, I think we'll be going up not with that intention now. That's that's probably unfair on the team, but I think Waterford will be going up up there to keep the momentum going. And the added bonus, I suppose, is that you're unlikely to meet Kilkenny until semi final stage. Of an you know, you know, you know, you know, like unless you. you you know, so that's that's the kind of it. So you go up there and leave it all out there. This exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, look, it's it, it's it's one of about twenty five intriguing games on Sunday. Yeah. Have fun 30, there, Rory. I'll 30, have fun. No, thirty three intercounty matches happening this weekend, and yeah. we'll have we'll have a third of them in the show. But I'll still be wearing my flak jacket when we're back here on Monday morning for the yeah. barbs and the and the crossbows <laughs> to be fired. It's just it's impossible to cover yeah. them all. My my website is infinite size and I still yeah, struggle. Yeah. So God God one, help you one, and your show. One last point, given the day that's in it, and again, very interested in the two lads' views and your own view, Mikey. Just 
And look, far be it for me to ever agree with anything Martin Bradney says, right? But I did think that um, he made a pretty valid point in The Independent yesterday or the day before in relation to today. And today, as we know, is look, it, look it's a special day. It's a, it's a public holiday and it's a public holiday for good reason. And I understand that the Crow Cup and the uh, Hogan Cups are taking place in Croke Park, but look, with all due respect, I mean, who does that really matter to? Um, and that it was maybe an opportunity missed that maybe some class of inter-county action or, I mean, <laughs> like, don't whisper it, the Railway Cup or whatever used to happen in years gone by, like, that's obviously not going to happen now. But if there was some class of attraction of our national game, which is hurling or football or something going on in Croke Park today to draw people in after the parades rather than end up where we know they're going to end up. Well, let's, let's be honest. So I thought, I thought that was maybe an opportunity missed by the GA and possibly something that they should look at down the line. For instance, if Cork Wexford, as much as we spoke about it being a dead rubber, had that been played there today, I think there would have been a great crowd go in there and it would have been a, a lovely way to spend the day, especially you now given the weather the way it is. I don't know. What do you think, Colin? Maybe if they rejig the calendar a little bit more, we could have the uh, Division One, uh, the Division One hurling relegation playoff there. Yeah, you could. <laughs> if you're putting the game on midweek, as St Patrick's Day obviously sometimes falls, uh, that creates mm. that can create difficulties too. I suppose when you're just landing a game, if there's no, I don't know, is the bank holiday tomorrow? Tomorrow's bank holiday always going to flag? I think it's going back to no, February, it's Bill Bridget's Day. Uh, it, it's hard to know what you put in there. Maybe, maybe some of the leagues, yeah. Maybe, maybe in time, some of the leagues. But I, I don't think, given the Railway Cup was in that fixture for such a yeah. long time, certainly reached its peak in the sixties, and the club finals uh, had a great run there too. But I suppose everything has its time, and uh, forces pull pull these these uh, games and dates in different directions. It just really, uh, I'd get it hard to see what would fit in there and become a permanent fixture if it's suited for league games to be played yeah for sure but that's not not always in the middle of the week going to be suitable because you're really you're really having to align uh rounds of the league to to suit it at that stage i think i think it's going to be a difficulty what do you think derek yeah um i think it goes back to the the, the original discussion around imagination and creativity around festivals days you know hurling in general I saw Anthony Nash made a point, I think, yesterday about possible Friday night games. You know, it's it's a it's a wider debate. Given the the the, yep, you're right. the significance, the significance of the holiday, etc., you know, and and celebrating, you know, your Irishness, etc., to have something in Crow Park on that particular day, I think would tie in well. Is it a possible I think it would work well if the bank holiday is the next day as it is for this year. Um uh, not to take Rory to task or whatever, but the the, the Crow Cup was a significant um, oh. event in, in our in our in our history down here <laughs> in school, and that we won two in 07 and 08 in Crow yeah. Park, and, and they were they were um, you know they're fairly significant for. Oh, for they're, he, they're huge! Like I mean, they're I huge. Hear. I was in a school which like hmm. I don't know. Are we still maybe third or fourth on the roll of hmm. honor? We won. Yeah, we won four Hogan Cups, and in my uh, the last one we won we were all now I was only in primary school at that time but we were all put on buses and all brought up to Croke Park to watch it and um, the the game was actually live on TV back at now this is like in 1885 when the games were um, it was on RTE live on RTE television like think how big that was I mean look the, but at the same time no different to the club and even smaller than the club it yeah. is very niche 
you know, and yeah, I think yeah, it doesn't really I, grab I, the I public's accept, imagination. I accept that point. I accept that point. I accept that point. And it could be maybe a precursor. I remember being at a league final where Flannans were playing Kieran's and um, before a league final in Torres one year, you know, James O'Connor was going Flannans, remember what going up to watch the schools match as well. But sure, look, it, it is it's worthy worthy of kind of consideration and a bit of imagination and a bit of creativity. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, lads, for joining us on on this uh, national holiday. Um Thank you also to Wheelow earlier. So Derek and Colm, I hope you enjoy the rest of St. Patrick's Day. Um, obviously, there's a bumper weekend, as we mentioned, so keep across RT Radio, uh, Saturday and Sunday Sport, mainly Sunday Sport this week. Nearly everything's on Sunday. Uh, League Sunday on Sunday night with Rory, Enemy of the People, O'Neill, in the producer's chair, and uh, the RT website. And uh, we will chat to you on Monday. Thank you very much. Cheers, Thanks, guys. Cheers. 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 It by winning the last two matches on the road and that's not going to be taken away from us what I love in Hurling I love players that will never give in he hits it he hits it it's over the ball